Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If I preach the gospel, it gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid on me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but not of my own will. I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I felt that woe sooner than I expected to when I came to St. Louis and entered into the doctoral studies after my one, two, three, third call. I thought it would be great to just take a little break, do something different for a little while. I've anticipated that, oh, there's going to come a time when I'm going to think about wanting to be a preacher again, be a congregational pastor again, but I'm going to be exploring this, this new vocation for a little while, a student again, kind of returning to memories of a happy time when I was in seminary and looking forward to all kinds of things that, of course, the Lord was going to do through me and change the world and make it such a much of a better place. And I guess that's the way a lot of us in our 20s think. But there I was in my late 40s, having, oh, been bruised and beaten a little bit by the world, <laughs> being encouraged by things that the Lord had done as well, but also with lots of questions in my mind about how how the church was doing its work. And I was just thinking about the congregation I was serving at the time, but the church at large. Are we actually accomplishing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we making disciples of all nations? Are we actually engaging the world effectively to, to produce what God had called us to do, what the mission was? And so returning, I figured they would keep me plenty busy There'd be plenty of work to do, and uh, preaching the gospel would take a siesta for a little while, at least for myself. I was going to be a receiver for a time. Kind of thinking of that as an enforced sabbatical for a moment. So you'd go to chapel, and you'd hear good sermons, and then you'd go to church, and you'd hear good sermons, and... They've got all kinds of good preachers up there in St. Louis, you know. And that lasted for about three weeks. And then you start to think, well, I could have said that better. <laughs> and you start to think, why did he take that direction with that text? Doesn't he know who he's talking to? You know, he should have said it this way. I mean, there's all kinds of better ways of saying that than that. Why are they talking in such a, a clipped way? Why, why can't they be sensitive to their hearers out here in the pew? I mean, we haven't been studying this all week. We're hearing it for the first time. And that woe started to feel like a burden again. 
And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, I'm in class Monday through Friday and I've got studying to do, but you know, weekends are starting to get a little boring. And so I called up the district president in, Minnesota, in, in Missouri and I, and I said, you know, I'm not doing anything on Sunday morning. You know, if you've gotten places where you need me to go to help out or whatever else, just let me know. And there always are. Well, I even called up the district president in uh, South Illinois and said, if you need me across the river, I'm right here. And there are. And my schedule got filled. And the burden of preaching was a little bit lessened. I was able to get some of that fire in my belly out and, and go back to studying in a new way. And that was okay till about November. About three weeks, about three months in. And then I started to think about there's going to be another two years worth of classes to go through. And boy, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it if I don't have a place to preach on a regular basis. <laughs> and that kind of started to churn for a little while. And then uh, the phone call came over Christmas break say, Hey, would you like to preach? And by that time, that two-year sabbatical that I thought I was going to be engaging in for this effort of continuing education and so forth, boy, I was glad to be done with that idea of sabbatical. <laughs> yes, you've got a pulpit. Apparently, I've still got a few things to say. Apparently, week by week, the Lord puts his burden on us so that, boy, the fire in the belly can be relieved a little bit. Paul had a need, a need to proclaim the gospel, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, the reign of God. Jesus, the king, is here. He's on the throne. He's doing his thing. He's He's sharing his word with people so that they can be that they can be bound to him in his death and resurrection and thereby have eternal life. They can live forever. They can be free of, of the ticking clock of this life that so burdens them and drives them into all kinds of, of evil. Just because they imagine that this life is all there is. And that this life, being temporary, has to have its agenda imposed on us. And so that human people stop being human, but they become animals. Clawing and ripping at each other. But that the gospel can free them from such an existence. And restore to them the gift and blessing that God intended from the very beginning to live forever in his fellowship, hand in hand with him and with one another so that there is light and life. Comfort in knowing that, yes, now sin demands a death from us, but that that death has been delivered to us as a gift by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. 
so that our own physical death now does not end our story at all, but that our trajectory is to be around the throne of the Lamb in his kingdom without end. But, <laughs> around that throne, around that throne, the vision is for all nations and all peoples of all lands and all tribes and all languages to be a part of that. From every segment of society, every segment of life represented there as the king gathers his flock. Now, Paul's challenge then was not just to be a preacher of the gospel, but to be a preacher of the gospel in all circumstances. But it wasn't enough to just have a burden and a fire in his belly, but to actually communicate that. To actually hit ears, not just with a, a clanging bell or a resounding cymbal, but with the words of love that would communicate directly to all of those hearts. And he took that burden seriously. There he was, a, a man of Asia Minor, educated in Jerusalem, with a certain trajectory on his mind and heart and life, equipped with the scriptures to be a scribe, a Pharisee, a, a man of the book. And God takes him from that position and opens his eyes to the calling of taking that book and translating it into every circumstance of life, across the board and, and up and down throughout society, from puppers to kings, even up to the emperor himself. Such a call. And he shares that with his members there in Corinth because the world gathers in those central places. There is place in Corinth because of its capacity as a, a commercial and military town, where it's gathering people from truly all nations, a, a crossroads community, a place where people will come for a time, a week, three weeks, a year, to conduct their lives, to engage in business, to appreciate a community for what it has to offer, but then eventually perhaps to move on and to glean from that place whatever benefit might glean from it for their time. A few dollars here, a few experiences, perhaps something new that they hadn't seen back home, for good or for ill. Corinth was a special place in that regard, a crossroads, a place where people came. And so the Christians in Corinth themselves, coming from a variety of backgrounds too, had a particularly appropriate place in the mission of God. They had an opportunity, an opportunity to follow Paul's example, to be all things to all people. I myself have made myself a, a servant of all 
so that I might win more of them. It all has to do with taking John 3.16 and speaking its truth in ways that people can actually understand and hear based on who they are. What experiences they've had. What languages they speak. Not just whether they speak English or not, but just kind of what's their vibe, as they say now in the kid's life. Just knowing how that promising word can reach another layer of hearts. And it is more than, than just repeating the same words over and over again. It's more than just saying, well, have you read this passage? No, it, it's about really entering into another person's life, mentoring them, sharing, sharing the life of Jesus Christ with and even alongside them as they begin to have the Holy Spirit knock on the doors of their hearts and minds. <clears throat> it is a, a calling to, to raise them up in every different kinds of circumstance. To the one who is a Jew, to become as a Jew in order to win the Jew. The one who has no knowledge of the Old Testament, to become as one who knew nothing but only Christ, and so to be able to communicate to them as well. To the downtrodden, to the weak, to not put on airs, to not, to not claim authority, to not claim privilege, but to be with them, always recognizing that the stance of our Lord Jesus Christ is always bending down, always lower, washing feet. And at the same time, for those who prize their authority and prize their positions of power to be able to say, and so that it is done, to say along with Jesus, and the centurion who came to him, that he has the even greater authority. So there is no one either further more servant than our Lord, and no one even greater master than our Lord, all at the same time. And to let that be expressed most clearly in the cross, lifted up over all, naked, Beaten, so that he may give life. These marvelous ironies that speak the truth of God's heart for us. And can speak that heart not just for us, but for all who are alongside us. In all of the places where he puts us. None of us. <laughs> none of us even here have the very same network of relationships even in this community as each other. We're all different and we're all placed. Marvelous, marvelous avenues for the life of Jesus Christ having its influence 
light and seed and sands like the seashore. What, whatever more metaphor you, you'd like to use. But here, here Paul talks about the very vast range of experiences of human life and how the Lord himself embeds his people in the midst of all of those places. In community, in civic life, in schools, in neighborhoods, in each in each nine-pointed zip code. Members in Richland and Crocker and Dixon, on post, south of post, all around Pulaski <coughs> County, so that God has prepared a people embedded in the world, but God bless not of it. To be embedded in the world in every layer, but to be of the kingdom of God. This is the church. This is the church and the witness that God has placed in and through it, so that no one, no one ever geographically, economically, socially, that everyone would have a word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Why, why go after food that does not satisfy? Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now we are equipped for such work not just by being here during this hour, but taking seriously our notion of reading the scriptures and hearing the word of the Lord for the sake of others. If it's all about us, then we become the end of that work. But if we begin to have on our hearts the people whom the Lord has placed into our network of influence, is it just that we are enjoying their fellowship as friends, or even just using them as business associates? Or do we recognize the call of God in Jesus Christ through his apostle Paul? That these are opportunities for the kingdom of God to reach the next, to adopt a son or daughter from the world and into the kingdom of God preach the gospel, to open our mouths and speak good news, because whatever it is I do, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them and share in its blessings with them. How many people do we know that we will not see face to face in eternity? And yet we have the key. We carry it on our foreheads and on our hearts. We wear it round our necks. We have the open door that would invite them into eternal fellowship with us so that we would not lose them as friends and neighbors, but that we might stand alongside them at the marriage feast of the Lamb and sing together the hallelujah chorus in all of its cacophony. Paul was driven 
He was driven to make sure that his part to play would run the entire race, that he would not leave any stone unturned, that he would walk every path, that he would seek the lost in every layer of society, in every place that the Lord sent him, so that that chorus, that chorus could ring out loudly and clearly in every language for the joy of God's people as they gather around his throne. And so being ready to be a proclaimer, it has to do with Bible study. It has to do with preparing for witness. It has to do with listening intently to the lives and hurts that the people of the world are engaged with and are enduring so that the word of the Lord that speaks to their heart can come together and that in our own searching the scriptures devotionally and together in Bible study can feed our own expression of the gospel. Because this particular passage may not seem to us as though it strikes us at all, or, or this particular psalm. But the Lord knows who's on the horizon. The Lord knows who you will see on Tuesday and on Thursday. He knows their history. He knows their life. Better than you do. Better than you ever will. Better than they know it themselves. And he has embedded in these words, words of grace and promise and calling. We don't always know which ones are which and for whom they all might be. But the God of history, the God of God, the Holy Spirit, they do know. He does know. He knows you. He knows his word. He knows your neighbor. He knows the ones for whom he died, and he knows the ones he intends to gather around his throne on that day. We are all a part of this effort. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And I will be a gospel person for all people, in all circumstances, no matter who he sends me to, because by doing such, one more, two more, a few more, whatever more, will be there with us, hand in hand, arm in arm, to sing glory and praise to the Lamb, world without end. Amen. The peace of God that passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen.